How's everyone doing? Everyone's happy, inshallah. Happy to be here. Alhamdulillah. Fadlu min Allah Azza wa Jal. Why are you happy to be here? Because you get reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet said, Ma jalasa qawmun majisan yadkuruna Allah ta'ala illa nazalat alayhimu sakina wa ghashyatumu rahma wa haffatumu al-malaika wa dhakarahumu Allahu fi man indahu. This is why you are happy. Because the Prophet said that no people come together to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except that descends upon them sakina, a type of tranquility. And the angels encompass them. And they are forgiven by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah remembers them in a gathering which is better than the gathering, gathering that they are in. So that's one of the many reasons why we are happy. And of course today's topic is a topic which will also bring us joy when we ponder it, inshallah. It's a very difficult topic to talk about, but it's something which is softening to the soul and softening to the heart. That is pondering upon the Prophet Sallallahu love for me and you. How the Prophet Sallallahu would think about me and you. How the Prophet Sallallahu would care for me and you. And how the Prophet Sallallahu always wanted good for us. So whoever looks into the life of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, even if it's a cursory look, even if it's a quick look into the seerah of the Prophet Sallallahu they will come to realize very quickly that what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said about him in the Quran was fully true. What Allah says, لَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولٌ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ عَزِيزٌ عَلَيْهِ مَا عَنِئْتُمْ حَرِيسٌ عَلَيْكُمْ بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ رَأُوفُ الرَّحِيمُ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Surah Tawbah, Verily, a messenger has come to you from amongst your own selves. He is moved by the difficulties that befall you. And he is very eager. حَرِيسٌ عَلَيْكُمْ He's very eager for you, and he is most merciful with you. Imam Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said about the words of Allah Azawajal, harisun alaykum, that the Prophet wasallam is eager over you. It means that the Prophet wasallam is extremely eager for you to be guided to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For us to be guided to the pleasure of Allah Azawajal, the Prophet wasallam was always eager. Not only that. The Prophet ﷺ was eager for us to enjoy ourselves in the dunya, to have, to have a happy life, a safe life, a prosperous life. So anything which went away from this, it would harm the Prophet ﷺ. Because the Prophet ﷺ was so eager that good befall us out of his love for us. So it can be said confidently that the Prophet ﷺ, he cares for us probably more than our own selves. Because many a time, we lose track of that which is good for us. Many a times, we stop concentrating on that which is good for us. Even our mothers who love us the most in this dunya, many a times they lose sight of what is truly good for us, meaning the guidance of Allah Sometimes, you find that the mother chooses a dunya matter over the guidance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sometimes the child is tired and has a school exam. So the mother says, it's okay, my son, you can pray Fajr later on in the day. So she chooses something which is temporary in the dunya 
over the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the Prophet ﷺ was always choosing for us the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why we can say that the Prophet ﷺ loved us more than ourselves and even our own mothers. The Prophet ﷺ would remember us often. In the Sahih of Imam Ibn Hibban, Rahimullah Ta'ala, and authenticated by Shaykh Al-Albani, Aisha radiallahu anha, Ummul Mu'mineen, our mother, she said, Lama ra'aytu minna nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, tiba nafs, qultu ya rasulullah, udallaha li. Aisha radiallahu anha, she said, when I saw from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi that he was in a happy, in a good state, he was pleased and happy. He was relaxed. I said to him, Ya Rasulullah, make dua for me to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the Prophet sallallahu said, Allahumma ghfir lil Aisha ma taqaddama wa ma ta'akhara min dhanbiha wa ma asarrat wa ma a'lanat. Oh Allah, forgive Aisha radiallahu anha for the sins of her past and the sins which are to come and the sins which she has made open and the sins which she has hidden. فَضَحِكَتْ عَيْشَةُ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا حَتَّى سَقَتَ رَأْسَهَا فِي حَجْرِهَا مِنَ الضَّحِقِ So Aisha, our mother, she started to giggle out of joy. So much so that her head fell into her lap out of the joy that this dua the Prophet ﷺ had made for her. So the Prophet ﷺ said to her, Ya Aisha, are you suruki du'ai? Oh Aisha, does your dua make me happy? She said, Ya Rasulullah, ما لي لا يسرني دعاك? How can it be that your dua doesn't make me happy? Then the Prophet ﷺ said, فَوَاللَّهِ إِنَّهَا لَدُعَاءِ لِأُمَّتِي فِي كُلِّ صَلَاةِ He said, I swear by Allah, it is the dua that I make for my ummah in every single salah. The dua that the Prophet ﷺ makes for me and you, or made for me and you in every single salah. Not once, 1800 times a year minimum, 1825 times minimum in the year, the Prophet ﷺ will make dua for us. He will remember us often. He would worry for us. He would beg Allah to give us guidance, to give us good. This was the Prophet's love for us. And how are we? Do we hardly remember the Prophet? Do we hardly send salah upon the Prophet? Do we hardly open up a book of hadith to look into his life, a book of seerah? The messengers, all of them, they were gifted by Allah with a dua, which was guaranteed to be mustajab, guaranteed to be answered. The Prophet ﷺ, as narrated in Sahih Muslim from Abu Hurairah, he said that the Prophet ﷺ said, لِكُلِّ نَبِيٍ دَعْوَةٌ مُسْتَجَابَةٌ Every Prophet has a dua which is answered. فَتَعَجَّلَ كُلُّ نَبِيٍ دَعْوَةَهُ So every Prophet, he had his dua answered in the dunya. وَإِنِّي اِخْتَبَعْتُ دَعْوَةِ شَفَاعَةً لِأُمَّةِ يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ But as for me, I kept my dua for the time when I will use it on the day of judgment for shafa'ah. Meaning to say the Prophet will make dua to Allah so that he can intercede upon those who died upon Tawheed on the Day of Judgment. So it will be received by those who die from my ummah and did not associate any partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So again, the Prophet he didn't use his dua for anybody or for any reason in the dunya. What did he do? He saved it for you and me in the hereafter. So not only was the Prophet ﷺ making dua regularly, but the dua that he knew which was going to be guaranteed to be answered by Allah he kept it for us, not for himself, not for the things that he required, but rather 
the need when the whole of humanity will need it most, when the believers will need it most. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, I mean, Alhamdulillah, sometimes we think about the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when he would think about us, it would bring tears to his eyes. He would cry to the extent that his beard would become wet. It's narrated in Sahih Muslim that Abdullah ibn Amr ibn As that the Prophet one time was reciting verses from the Quran. He recited from Surah Ibrahim, He recited the statement of Ibrahim who said that verily these idols have misguided many from amongst mankind. They have led them astray. So whoever obeys me, then he is from me. And whoever disobeys me, then you are the one who is of forgiving and most merciful. And then he recited the verse of, Ibrahim, of Isa alayhi salam, where Isa alayhi salam says in Surah Al-Ma'idah, in tu'adhibhum fa'innahum ibadak, wa in tagfillahum fa'innaka antal azizul hakim. If you punish them, then verily they belong to you, they are your slaves. But if you overlook them and forgive them, the verily you are full of izzah and wisdom. When the Prophet recited these two verses, notice that the verses are talking about the nations of these prophets, the people of these prophets. So the Prophet when he recited these verses, he was moved because he was pondering the verses. The Prophet raised his hands and he said, Oh Allah, my nation, my nation. And then he started to cry. Allah said, Ya Jibreel, idhab ila Muhammad wa rabbuka a'lam, fas'alhu ma yubkik. Oh Jibreel, go to Muhammad sallallahu and your Lord knows best, and ask him, what is it that is making you cry? Fa'atahu Jibreel, fasa'alahu fa'akhbarahu Rasulullah sallallahu So Jibreel al-Islam came to him and asked him, and the Prophet sallallahu told him, what had made him cry? What had made him cry was his fear, his worry, his love for his ummah. So the Prophet, Allah said, Ya Jibreel, idhab ila Muhammad, faqul lahu, inna sunudhika fi ummatika wa la nasu'uk. Go to Muhammad sallallahu once again and give him glad tidings that we will, we will make you happy with regards to your ummah and we won't cause you to be disappointed. So the Prophet sallallahu not only would he make dua, not only would he remember us, but many a time he would cry from thinking and caring about the state of the ummah. The Prophet on the days of Eid, the Prophet as narrated in Musnad of Imam Ahmed, he would bring two sheep, two rams, plump rams. And one of them, he would sacrifice on behalf of the Ummah. He would say, Ya Rabbi hadha an ummati jami'an, mimman shahida laka bitawheed, wa shahida li bilbalagh. The Prophet would say, Oh Allah, this was on behalf of all of my ummah. Those who gave witness to you with tawheed and those who gave witness to me as being a messenger of the Prophet So even when it came to acts of worship like this, in fact the hadith is in particular to those who were unable to sacrifice on the day of Eid due to a, a valid reason. But the Prophet would never lose an opportunity to where he would want to benefit the Ummah. 
Whether it be making dua, whether it be guiding them to good, whether it be trying to even like this, do a good deed on behalf of the ummah. So you see how much the Prophet ﷺ loved us. And as we go on, we will come to know more and more how the Prophet ﷺ loved his ummah. Question here, is it allowed for us to sacrifice and to send the reward to the Prophet ﷺ? So we are sacrificing our own, expecting reward from Allah but also we want to give the reward to the Prophet ﷺ. Are we allowed to do so? Many of the ulama, in fact, majority of them, they said no. They said this is not something which is recommended because in the hadith of Tirmidhi, which is narrated, um, which companion was it? One of the companions was uh, doing this and he said this is what the Prophet ﷺ told me to do, to sacrifice and to send the reward to him. This is not an authentic narration. This is not an authentic narration as mentioned by the ulama of hadith. If you were to do it uh, on behalf of the Prophet ﷺ, it doesn't make any sense because every single deed that you do, the Prophet ﷺ is getting reward anyway. So you're not increasing him in reward. Because remember the hadith says, The one who guides to good is like the one who has done it. So who guided us to good? The Prophet ﷺ guided us to good. But you can do it on behalf of other than yourself. Meaning on behalf of your dead relatives, on behalf of uh, like family members, you can sacrifice and send the reward onto those. طيب. The Prophet ﷺ, as part of his love for the Ummah and as part of his care for the Ummah, he would be very particular about make, making the life of the believers as easy as he could. It's narrated in the hadith in Bukhari and Muslim that Aisha radiallahu anha, she said, مَا خُيِّرَ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهِ وسلم بَيْنَ الْأَمْرَيْنِ إِلَّا اِخْتَارَ أَيْسَرَهُمَا مَا لَمْ يَكُنْ إِثْمْ فَإِنْ كَانَ إِثْمْ كَانَ أَبْعَدُ النَّاسِ مِنْهُ That the Prophet ﷺ, as narrated by Aisha, she said that the Prophet ﷺ was never faced with two choices, except that he would choose the easiest of them for his ummah, as long as it didn't involve any type of sin. If it involved any type of disobedience, then the Prophet ﷺ would be the furthest away from it. And also we have the narration where the Prophet ﷺ said in Tirmidhi, لَوْلَا أَنْ عَلَىٰ أُمَّتِي Had it not been difficult upon my ummah, I would have commanded them to use the siwak every time they stand for the salah. And I would have delayed the salat al-isha until the third of the night had passed. So the Prophet ﷺ, in choosing where he was able to, in choosing the rulings for his ummah, what would he do? He would always choose the easiest ruling for us if there was no sin in that ruling. So this is how merciful the Prophet Sallallahu mercy to the whole of mankind was. A point to bear here, a point to keep in mind, a rule, that when you want to take a rukhsa, an ease, when you want to take, take something which is an easy option in your mind, you have to ensure that you have checked first and foremost by, uh, through a trustworthy alim, a trustworthy scholar. Because many a time when we face any type of difficulty, we make the ruling up in our minds. We say, I have now ease because the Prophet ﷺ would always choose the easiest of the options. This is not the case. It's not up to me and you to decide what is easy and what is allowed. Right? You have to ensure that what is easy and what is allowed is that which the Sharia allows us to find ease in. So the rukhsa, the following of ease, always has to be done after checking that a scholar allows you to do so based upon the, the teachings of the Prophet ﷺ. Generally, when you and I love a person, 
If it's true love, we want to see that person. We want to be around that person. We can't get enough of that person, whether it be our wife, whether it be our children, whether it be our mothers, right? But ask yourself, when was the last time you had the desire in your heart? And be honest, don't answer, but be honest to yourself. When was the last time in your heart you had the desire to see the Prophet When was the last time you had the desire to look upon his beautiful face? When was the last time you had the desire to smell his beautiful natural fragrances? When was the last time you had the desire to touch his soft skin as you give salam to him? When was the last time you imagined and sat of thinking about his beautiful voice when he would give salam to you or he would recite Quran and you would listen to it from his blessed mouth sallallahu alaihi wasallam? That is true love that you hope and you wish to meet the one that you love. Listen to the Prophet ﷺ what he said. The Prophet ﷺ in the Musnad of Imam Ahmad, narrated by Anas ibn Malik, he said, He said, I have a strong desire that I wish I could meet my brothers. So the companions, they said, Ya Rasulullah, Rasul O oh Prophet of Allah, are we not your brothers? The Prophet ﷺ said, Antum ashabi, you are my companions. Walakin ashab ikhwani But my brothers are those who have believed in me and yet they haven't seen me. So the Prophet ﷺ desired fervently, had a deep desire to meet me and you, a deep desire to get to know me and you by name and by person. So we should really think about how often do we want to meet the Prophet ﷺ? How often do we look into the seerah, to look into the books of hadith, to spend time with the Prophet ﷺ? That's how we spend time with the Prophet ﷺ. Be around his seerah. Be around the lectures which talk about him ﷺ. Be around his ahadith so that we can learn more about him ﷺ. After mentioning these six, seven narrations which talk about how the Prophet ﷺ loved his ummah, and how the Prophet ﷺ would always make dua for his ummah. And how the Prophet ﷺ would think often about the state of his ummah. And how the Prophet ﷺ would want to meet the members of his ummah. Then it behooves us. It's incumbent upon us to learn and to remind ourselves what does it mean for us now to love the Prophet ﷺ. Are they just empty words? Or does it have a greater meaning when we say we love the Prophet ﷺ? What does it entail? The first of these things, as we know, as Allah Azawajal mentions, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ فَاتَّبِعُونِي يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهِ وَيَغْفِلْ لَكُمْ دُنُوبَكُمْ Say, if you love Allah, then follow me. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will love you and he will forgive you your sins. So this is the first thing that the believer has to do. And from the most important of things, he has to ensure that he learns how to make ittiba of the Prophet ﷺ. Not just emotional claims, not just claims that we love the Prophet ﷺ, but if you were to squeeze us, if you were to analyze our lives, you would find how far we are from obeying the Prophet ﷺ. Allah also said, Allah Allah says, no, by your Lord, they will never believe. I mean, never have true belief. Until they make you, O Muhammad, the judge, 
in that which they dispute amongst themselves. Not only that, they find no difficulty in, in their hearts from accepting your judgment in their disputes. And they make a complete submission to your judgment. So this is how we have to take the Prophet ﷺ. He has a role. He, has, he is our role model. He is our teacher. He is our judge in all of the disputes that we have. We have to submit to the guidance that the Prophet ﷺ came with. In short, once we know that something is authentic from the Prophet ﷺ as our teaching, we submit to it and we don't question. Listen to how the companions were radiyallahu anhum. This is Umar radiyallahu anhum. Ja'a Umar ila al-hajr al-aswad faqabbalahu faqal inni la'a'lam annaka al-hajr la tadur wa la tanfa' wa lawla anni ra'aytu rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yuqabbiluk ma qabaltuk. Umar radiyallahu anhum came to the black stone and he kissed it. And then he stepped back and he looked at it and he said, I know for sure that you are only a stone. You can neither bring me harm nor can you bring me benefit. And had it not been that I saw the Prophet ﷺ kiss you, I would never have kissed you. This is all it was to them. The Prophet did it, so we do it. The Prophet said it, so we said it. The Prophet ﷺ walked this way, we're going to walk this way. This is how the companions عنهم, loved the Prophet. ﷺ. They would establish every single teaching that he ﷺ, came with to the best of their ability. They wouldn't ask, is this sunnah? Is this wajib? This never existed in the time of the companions عنهم. This statement, oh it's only sunnah, it's in our time. Because the ulama, they had to differentiate for us what if we were to leave it would cause us to be punished by Allah because we've left off so many things. But the companions عنهم, they didn't leave off anything. That's why they didn't need to have this differentiation of this is obligatory and this is sunnah. So we have to leave alone anything which we never found taught to us by the Prophet or understood by the companions عنهم. This is also from following the Prophet Al-Ittiba To leave alone that which is an innovation The Prophet said Listen to his words He said every single kullu That's what kullu means Every single without exception Every single innovation in the religion Is misguidance And every misguidance is in the hellfire But then you'll have a group of people That will come to you and they will say, but you know what? We should celebrate the birthday of the Prophet ﷺ. But you know what? Every Thursday we should gather and we, we should recite a particular poetry. How are they able to do this? Did they not hear the words of the Prophet ﷺ? Didn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell them? Today I have perfected for you my religion, your religion, and I've completed upon you my favor to you. So if Allah has made something perfect and complete, then how can you add to it? So those who say to us that we should do X and Y act of worship and that it's a good bid'ah, then they are completely wrong. They're completely misguided. There's nothing the Prophet left off. And there's also another angle that I want you to look at this from. Because sometimes people say, why do you have to mention that these innovations, you know, we're in a time where the ummah has to unite. Absolutely the ummah has to unite. But unite upon what? Unite upon the rope of Allah The rope of Allah is the guidance that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent. If you try to unite upon other than the Quran and the Sunnah, you will never find guidance. Right? So you find, look at it from this angle. You find that there's a group in the Ummah, they'll say to you, do this act of worship. Then the other group in the Ummah, they will say, we can't do this act of worship because we don't find any textual evidence. 
nor do we find any of the companions doing that, nor do we find any of the early Imams doing that. So what happens? The group who's telling you to do it, they're going to look down upon you. They're saying you don't love the Prophet that's why you don't celebrate his birthday. You don't love the Prophet that's why you're not sitting and reciting his poetry. And the other group will say, no, we do love the Prophet that's why we're holding on to his sunnah and holding on to his teachings. We cannot do that which the Prophet did not teach us to do. So then they look at each other with some form of enmity. And this divides the ummah. So innovations, they divide the ummah as well as being something which the Prophet ﷺ prohibited us from falling into. So we should stay away from them as much as possible if we are from those who truly love the Prophet ﷺ. After establishing guidance, after establishing following of the Prophet ﷺ, another thing which is imperative for us to do if we want to love the Prophet ﷺ is that which was mentioned in Sahih Muslim. Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-As radiyallahu anhu, he said that the Prophet ﷺ said, if you hear the Mu'adhin giving the Adhan, then say the same as he says, meaning repeat the Adhan. And then make Salah upon me. Then say, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad upon me. فَإِنَّهُ مَنْ صَلَّ عَلَيَّ صَلَاةً صَلَّ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ بِهَا عَشْرًا أو بِهِ عَشْرًا Then whoever makes Salah upon me, the Prophet said, then Allah due to that one salah will send ten upon me. Then the Prophet said, Then ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for me al-wasila. For verily it is a station in Jannah, this wasila that the Prophet asked us to ask Allah for every time you had the adhan. He said, verily, it is a station in Jannah that is not going to be given except to one from the slaves of Allah. And I wish and I hope that I am that slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is given it. And the one who asked Allah for me, al-wasila, then he will get my shafa'a, inshaAllah. So also from honoring the Prophet and loving the Prophet is that you send much salah upon the Prophet after you hear the adhan and you've repeated adhan, anytime you hear the name of the Prophet ﷺ, you say ﷺ. And also, the Prophet mentioned this hadith to ask Allah for al-wasila for the Prophet ﷺ. What else do we ask Allah for when we hear the mu'adhin? Giving the adhan. We ask for the wasila, what else do we ask for? To put the Prophet ﷺ where? Maqam al-Mahmudah. What is Maqam al-Mahmudah? It is to be raised above all of the creation. To be raised above all of the creation. طيب. Sorry, Maqam Mahmuda is the one who starts the Shafa'at al Udma. Maqam al Mahmuda, Wasila is to have this particular place in Jannah. Fadila is to be raised above all of the creation. Maqam al Mahmuda is to be the one who has the Shafa'at al Udma, the one who will have the intercession on the Day of Judgment, and that is the Prophet. A quick look at how the Sahaba radiallahu anhum would love the Prophet sallallahu What is the definition of a Sahabi? This is the definition that Imam Ibn Hajj al-Asqalani said is the most correct. That somebody who met the Prophet sallallahu in the lifetime of the Prophet sallallahu believed in the Prophet sallallahu after that meeting or at that meeting and then died upon that belief. Okay, this is the definition of the one who is a Sahabi. Can a jinn be a Sahabi? Yeah, 
Many of the jinn, they heard the revelation at the time of the Prophet ﷺ and they accepted it. So even from amongst the jinn, they, they were or they are sahabi. So these companions, they gave us the best example of how to love the Prophet ﷺ. In Sahih Muslim, the Prophet ﷺ said, as narrated by Anas ibn Malik, لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى أكون أحب إله من ولده ووالده والناس أجمعين that none of you, the Prophet ﷺ, would tru truly believe until I am more beloved to him than his own self, than his family, and than the whole of mankind. Zayd ibn Muthanna, radiyallahu anhu, when he was captured by the Quraysh, and they were about to kill him, they were about to kill him, they were about to chop his head off. And they said to him, whilst they were ridiculing him and torturing him, now imagine, sometimes we claim, you know, to be brave. And we claim that we can do certain things. But now imagine yourself in the situation where you are about to face death. You know for sure your head is about to be removed from your shoulders. So they said to him, would you not want to swap yourself now for the Prophet And he, we'll let you go, but we'll bring the Prophet in your place. What did Zayd ibn Muthanna said? He said, Wallahi, la uhibbu an yakun Muhammadan al-an fi makanihi alladhi huwa fihi. He said, this companion, radiallahu anhu, he said, I swear by Allah, that I don't wish that the Prophet sallallahu is wherever, wherever he is, that a thorn pricks him and gives him some kind of harm, and that I be safe with my family if that was to take place. Rather, I would sacrifice myself any time for the Prophet sallallahu rather than a thorn prick the Prophet sallallahu Abu Sufyan, when he heard these words, whilst he was still a kafir. He, he was really surprised and taken aback. And he made some poetry. He said, مَا رَأِيتُ أَحَدًا مِنَ النَّاسِ يُحِبُّ أَحَدًا كَحُبِّ أَصْحَابِ مُحَمَّدًا مُحَمَّدًا He said, I've never seen anybody from amongst the people love anybody like I have seen the love that the companions of the Prophet ﷺ give to Muhammad ﷺ. Bilal ibn Rabah radiyallahu anhu on his deathbed, as he was suffering the pangs and the pains of death, the pangs of death. His wife, she started wailing. She was saying, Oh, how sorrowful this situation is. Oh, how difficult this situation is. Bilal radiallahu anhu, he pulled down the cloth from his face and he said, Don't say, Don't say, Oh, how difficult and how sorrowful this situation is. But rather say, wow, how joyful this situation is. He said in poetry, tomorrow we are going to meet those who we love. Prophet Muhammad and his companions who have gone before me. So at the time of his death, he was full of joy because he knew he was going to meet the Prophet What is our state? Do we feel that? That we want to pass on from this life so we can meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so we can meet the Prophet We would be like that if we truly followed the Prophet if we had true love of the Prophet So the more we learn to worship Allah correctly, the more we learn to understand the teachings that the Prophet came with, the more we will find that we love the Prophet Imam Tabarani in his Mu'jam al-Awsat and authenticated by Shaykh al-Albani in his Silsila Sahiha collects from our mother Aisha radiallahu anha that a man came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi a man came to the Prophet sallallahu and exclaimed he said oh Muhammad verily you are more, more beloved to me than my own self 
And you are more beloved to me than my family. And to all of my offspring and relatives. And he said, sometimes I'm in the house and I remember you. And I can't be patient enough except I have to come and look upon you. Meaning that I remember you and this stirs the love of, me in my, of you in my heart so much that I can't bear it. I have to come and look at your face, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And when I think of your death and my death, I realize that when you enter into Jannah, you'll be raised high with the prophets. And if I enter into Jannah, then I'm worried that I might not see you. This companion who every time he thought of the Prophet he had to rush to the Prophet to see him. He's now expressing that, what am I going to do when we die? You're going to be with the prophets and I may not be able to see you. So the Prophet didn't reply to him. He didn't respond until Jibreel came down with this ayah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That those who believe in the Prophet ﷺ, who believe in Allah and the Prophet ﷺ, then they are with those who Allah has blessed from amongst the shuhada, from amongst the prophets, from amongst the righteous, and they are the best of company. So for one to be with the Prophet ﷺ is to have true belief and true actions that the Prophet ﷺ came with. That is how we get to meet the Prophet ﷺ in the hereafter. I have to mention a rule and a reminder that when it comes to loving the Prophet ﷺ, we have to ensure that we love the Prophet ﷺ in the way that he wanted us to love him. We cannot go to the extremes and make up love, like I mentioned, out of our own pockets. Nor can we go to the extreme and give the Prophet ﷺ any attribute that belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the Prophet ﷺ. Because you have people that believe that the Prophet ﷺ is the one who guides. You have people that believe the Prophet ﷺ is the one who can answer their du'as even though the Prophet ﷺ has left this earth. You have people that believe the Prophet ﷺ shares in the attributes of Allah from knowing the unseen and having unlimited power like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has. None of this is true. The Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith in Bukhari and Muslim, لا تطروني كما أطرت النصارى ابن مريم إنما أنا عبد إنما أنا عبد فقول عبد الله ورسوله don't go to extremes with me like the, uh, like the Christians went to extreme with the son of Mary. Rather, I am the slave of Allah. So say the slave of Allah and his prophet. Say the slave of Allah and his messenger, the messenger of Allah. The Prophet didn't just say this out of humility. He said this out of reality, that he is a slave of Allah. He owns nothing unless Allah allowed him to have it. There was no guidance. You do not guide those whom you believe, but Allah guides whomsoever He wills, as mentioned in the Quran. So all power and all knowledge and all attributes belong in perfection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anything which was given to the best of creation, to the most perfect of creation, Muhammad sallallahu was given partially to Muhammad sallallahu Partial knowledge of the unseen. Okay? Partial wisdom, not full wisdom. Everything in completion, 
belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I hope that these short words made us think about how the Prophet will love us, how the Prophet used to make dua for us often, how the Prophet would be moved to tears when he would think about our state and the difficulty that we would go through, how the Prophet would be so eager for our well-being. So all of this should now bring us to want to establish the sunnah of the Prophet more so in our lives, to want to learn more about who was the Prophet to want to bring more people to the guidance of the Prophet so that they can also enjoy the enjoyment of Iman, the sweetness of Iman, like we ask Allah to allow us to enjoy. Anything which was correct was from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Any shortcomings and mistakes were from myself and shaitan.